Premier League game week five, and it was a good one. The new format of endless extra time gave us some incredible comeback wins, but there was also some familiar storylines. Liverpool conceding first, Chelsea not scoring, and Manchester United being in crisis. All the games and more on today's episode of From the Back Seat. Um, so we've actually got a very different lineup today. So it's me, Jack, regular host, sorry been away, more on that in a second, and a new co-host. Um, we're not getting rid of you yet, but he's on holiday, so um, good friend, regular listener of the pod, Ashley Jones, is on uh, the call today. Hello, Ash. Hello, how are you? Hello. Yeah, not too bad, mate. You? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad I got through all of that. It was a bit of a mouthful, and I was kind of freestyling it. But yeah, it's nice to see you, man. It's no nice worries. to see you, as always. And yeah, you the best too, part bro. about this, two Liverpool fans. So it's going to be a Liverpool pod. And everything else is just going to get put by the wayside. And nothing is going to be biased whatsoever. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. We're not going to spend 20 minutes analysing Darwin Nunes at all. <laughs> no, no. Darwin Nunes and Sapozlai aren't even going to come up in this pod today. No, I'm excited for that section. Ash has got a whole bit. <laughs> a deep dive. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, so we've got nine games to go through today. Um, time recording is Sunday evening, so we're not going to talk about Monday's game, which is Forest Burnley, because let's be real, no one really wants to talk about that anyway, I don't think. Um, quick note as well, sorry we've been away, that was annoying, um, annoying for you probably more than us, but yeah, we kept we kept recording them and they kept just fucking up for some reason. I re- don't really know what happened, but just a weird blip. I blame technology um, but I think we've sorted it now, so hopefully this actually goes out. If it doesn't, that'll be really sad. Um, but anyway, on to the games. Manchester United 1, Brighton so. and Hove Albion 3. Sounds about right, to be honest. I think that's the worst indictment that we can say of Manchester United, that it sounds about right. This was probably the normal result we were all expecting. Quite a comprehensive win for Brighton, and not a lot to celebrate for Manchester United. And everyone is loving it. <laughs> putting it simply you know it's it, yeah it's a great result you know i think everybody loves the uh story of an underdog winning but you know in this instance i think the better team won right united yeah. are underdogs for the rest of the season because let's be honest they're totally shit so uh <laughs> yeah they are and it, it's good to know that eric ten Hag hasn't fixed it because i was really worried that like manchester united would stop being banter at some point and it looked like they yeah, were gonna yeah. be so it's good to have them back i've missed them and yeah, I don't know where to start really. I guess we could probably talk about Brighton a bit and then we could just get into Man United and how shit they are. Uh, Brighton, Absolutely. so good at football. I like it because mm-hmm. Danny Welbeck scored. He's not a good striker, but of course he scored at Old Trafford against Man United. Lalana played well. The new signings of Jao Pedro and Adringa um, contributed well. Lamptey played left wing back. I don't think he's ever played there before. Obviously, he got two assists. And they're just. Football-wise, they're just so much stronger than Man United. Um, yeah, they kind I mean, of worked out uncanny. how to get around them. Yeah, they worked out how to get around them, like down the wings, very easily. Man United in this really weird four-four-two diamond with McTominay like slotting in, and it was just, it was just too easy for Ryan to be honest. Um, in the end, and that's just where these two teams are. One's a good footballing team. One's just a really bloated mess of a club, basically. Yeah, I think on, on that point, I think that you know that that midfield battle was where where it was lost, right? I think that the experiment didn't work. Brighton exploited the spaces. I mean, 
you know, you can talk about the, the international break and tired legs with, with Casemiro. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he was awful, but I think United should have had the firepower to put him forward. I thought Hoyland, unfortunately, actually looks really good. And if Marcus <laughs> Rashford wasn't as selfish as he usually is, so I think it's, it's a different game there. It's mm. a different game, but, um, you know, my favourite part of the day was seeing the butcher all over the shop, you know, uh, <laughs> didn't know what yes, he was doing, sliding round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that, you know, Pascal Gross, it, I mean, he just, he bossed the game for Brighton. I think that it was, it was clear to see that he looked like he was the, you know, £70 million signing of the, in the window compared to the Definitely. rest of the, that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's never a good look, is it? Where your expensively assembled midfield is getting bossed by like a part-time midfielder, like he plays yeah. everywhere. Pascal Gross, and he's yeah. basically like a—he's just a James Milner, isn't he? He's just a sort of French version of James Milner. Or is he Belgium? I'm not yeah. sure. I think he's. I yeah. think he's Belgian. Either way, I feel like he's like the dream, the dream player because they're just like right, Pascal. You're up front next week. Then we need you at centre back the week after. And he's like, yeah, no worries. Seven out of ten every time. Yeah, and I think the one thing that was showing for for Brighton as well is, I mean, they what they made six changes, and uh, even then they just showed that the depth yeah. of their team. It doesn't matter if you've got your first choice, second choice. The actual team identity is just they're just a class outfit, right? And 100%. I wonder who's going to be the next one hundred million. Hundred million pound player that's gets sold by uh, sold by Brighton. I mean, it's got to be Evan Ferguson, hasn't it? Realistically, that seems like the easy one. There's not that many good strikers. I, uh, I think there aren't, but there's also a lot of teams shouting out for a winger. So you know, players like Matoma. You know, mm. I, I mean, I don't think he'd go for hundred million, but I think you're looking at sixty, seventy million right now. If Chelsea yeah. came sniffing around, you might get a hundred million. But <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent, bro. 100%. It's probably a case of which one isn't going to be sold for seventy mil at this point. There's so many good players. Like his yeah. opinion's really good. Um, Lewis yeah, Dunk's probably England's second best centre back these days after John Stones. There's just so many of them. They're all so good at football. Yeah. It's so annoying and so impressive in equal measure. It is annoying. You're just like, why can't everyone just do that? Why can't everyone just pull players out of their yeah. ass and then turn them into like world beaters and just play good football? That's all anyone wants. I guess the, the worry is, though, for a team like Brighton, it's like, you remember a few years back, like those, those old Southampton teams, you know, with uh, Graziano Pele, Mane, Van Dijk, Lallana, like, they were class, class teams, and all of a sudden, they got pillaged mm. and just faded into the distance. But with Brighton, there's this, there seems to be something there. It doesn't matter if you take a player, there's always someone in the wings waiting to go. You know, yeah. and I mean, they got Ansu Fati on loan, Right, which is mental because it's Brighton, right? Yeah. And Fatty was meant to be the next big thing at Brighton, you know, so yeah. at Brighton, sorry, at, uh, at Barca. So, like, it, it's crazy. But look, I think that Brighton played really well. United were crap, but there's a lot going on at United at the moment. And I think that you can't take that out of the equation there, right? There's so much drama behind the mm -hmm. club at the moment from the ownership, fans wanting to bring out the Norwich scarves again. To players being, you know, doing naughty things. We'll leave it at that. And um, oh, we, yeah, we can go into a, it. It's mate. a mental time. We can get into it. I mean, yeah, it was it was getting a bit toxic, wasn't it? But then you've got Sancho. Sancho's been phased out, training with the under twenty threes because mm -hmm. he keeps turning up late. Just doesn't seem to be that interested. I would argue 
don't give 20-year-olds 350k a week if you want them to be motivated. It's actually quite simple. Like, I, I would agree. Pay if I, I was agree. guaranteed to be paid that much. Greenwood, yep. that was a big distraction. They fucked that up. Um, tried to keep him. Yep. I, th- I suspect they're still trying to keep him, which is why they've loaned him out. 100%. They're trying to 100%. hope that he plays well and everyone just forgets that he's done some pretty bad things, even if he was acquitted. It's one of them, isn't it? No one gets charged yeah. with uh, sexual assault or rape in the UK, so it's a hard one to yeah, call. it's a bit of a techie one, isn't it? Yeah. And then Anthony, a lot of bad allegations for him. So the mood in Man United, yeah. pretty bad. Obviously, there's the ownership, trying to sell the club, and then not trying to sell the club, and then, you know, it's all mixed. It is a mess. It's a big, a big old mess. Um, I think at the end of the day, the manager, he is a good manager. It pains me to say it. And I think that once things get going and all these distractions are out the window, they are a formidable outfit still. I hate to say it. No so one's going to want to go to Old Trafford. Keep the faith in Ten Hag. Yeah. At least, you know, don't sack him before the Liverpool game, you know, and then they get mm-hmm. that new manager bounce, right? Keep him until after Liverpool. Let us win 7-0 again and then we'll be all right. <laughs> I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. And worst case, bring back Ole yeah. Solskjaer, you know. Let's give him another go. Maybe he wasn't that bad, yeah. you know. Maybe the wheels need bad. turning, mate. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Ten holes in the wheel. It's not working out. Bring back Oli. <laughs> Stabilise the ship. Yeah. Okay. Well... Yeah, not looking good for Man United, but yeah, Holland's Holland's all right to be fair. Um, so I had him as my flop, big, biggest flop of the season. Yeah. So we'll see how it plays out. I feel like he's going to be rubbish, but yeah, I don't know. I just I don't see it happening. It pains me to say it. I think he's going to be a good player. I don't think he's going to be world class, but I think he'll be a good player. I mean, it's not hard in that team, is it? But Wolverhampton Wanderers one, Liverpool three. I'm hoping that you're going to catch up with me and hear me at some point while I'm going on this monologue. Yeah, yeah. But yes, onto the game that we actually wanted to talk about. Um, the good news is that Liverpool actually won a 12 30 kickoff for the first time in over a year. That's nice. Uh, the bad yep. news is that we conceded the first goal within the first 10 minutes, as per usual. And I'm not going to lie, this feels like a really easy thing to fix. Like, no other team mm-hmm. seems to have this trend in world football, really. So I don't know what's wrong with us. That back line did cause me some concerns when I saw it come out. Gomez is a right back. Joel Matip on his return from injury. Gerald Quonsa, first start in the Prem. And Robertson. I was like, mm, that's not looking good. Especially with no defensive midfielder. And McAllister as a sort of yeah. fake number six. And it wasn't making me feel good watching a lot of that first half. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean... Neto run, ran the show, didn't he? I mean, mm-hmm. Gomez and, and and Matip didn't have a Scooby-Doo, right? Why why Gomez was playing in that inverted wing-back role that we played yeah. Trent in, I have no idea. Absolutely when no one need assist to do the inverted No goals in the right, entirety of his career as a third centre-back, so basically. A, and that's a creative enough. outlet. But look, I think that, you know, the first half was poor. Let's be real, but that's going to happen when you've got pretty much a completely new backline starting mm-hmm. week in, which is what we seem to have at the moment. You know, if Van yeah. Dyke's not suspended, then Canate's injured, and you know you end up having to shift a, shift things up and change it about. But I mean, whatever Klopp said at halftime clearly lit something up everyone's ass. I mean, um, you know, but before we go on to that, I think Wolves 
were the better team. That first half, Wolves looked like, you know, they were a quality outfit. Just the same problem as usual. They've got no one who can score. Literally, copy, um, paste, same old, same old, isn't it? Like, they play well, they have 20 shots, they score one goal, and they lose. This, yeah, must be hard being a Wolves fan. Yeah, and and I do think the goal that they did score is easily preventable from Liverpool's side. I think Robertson could have thrown himself at the ball a little bit more. I think Alisson Mm -hmm. was a bit late to react. You know, Matip just let Neto go past him, right? But fair play to Wolves, they took their chance. But, um, and then you got Cunha, who, uh, who should have buried the game really but he didn't and yeah. it seems to be a theme this year with Liverpool you know teams say they'll go ahead but they can't finish us off and second mm. half I mean what to say I mean I think the change bringing on Luis Diaz I mean the guy is just he's quality isn't he like yeah it must be terrifying having Diaz and Salah to mark all game yeah and then definitely. And then for Nunes to come on, who's just the most unpredictable person that's ever existed in life. Wild card. Just absolutely wild card. Terrifying. And and I think that that's you know, that's what Klopp's sort of he's building here, right? We've we've effectively got two different styles of play. We've got a really technical team that could probably break down a you know, a block in in Jota, Gakpo and Salah, and then you've got Nunes uh, Nunes, Diaz and Salah who just tear you to pieces, right? Yeah, I think that's a great shout. And then, yeah, bringing in Sabotzlai as that sort of deep-lying orchestrator seemed to open things up a lot yeah. more. Like, the, his passing range is pretty... He's honestly just it's so good. Joke. He's good at passing. He's, like, endless in terms of energy. He's got a great shot on him. Yeah. He's very passionate. He basically already seems like a good a good signing at 60 mil. He seems like he could be worth a lot more than that in a few years. He, he seems like the Gerrard replacement that we were looking for. Yeah, yeah, there's he's a few that players eight. that have left Liverpool over the years. Yeah, yeah, you know, Gerard, well, him for a while. Yeah, and, and I feel like with with Sabozlai, obviously, it came out of nowhere the signing. But I mean, mm-hmm. what a signing! What a signing he's been. I mean, I said just him stepping back and just taking control of that game, and that's not the first time we've seen it this season. You know, nah. he just he was class. Yeah, and I think what what his signing does do as well is highlight just how little Henderson was contributing last season in the end in the same role. Because I think we all yep. thought it, but we were like, nah, he's a good leader. He's a good leader. You know, he does a lot of off the ball yep. stuff, but now you're watching someone who can actually play football and do all the things that we needed him to do. And he's a leader. And we're like, Oh my God, we were yep. really, yep. we were really like operating at a lower level. And it's honestly so nice to see, like I'm falling in it love is. with the guy. And I think a great thing about him is, is, you know, that off the ball piece that Henderson was so touted for doing, he does it mm-hmm. even more. So yeah. The relentless pressing. I mean, the way that he's he's almost helped unlock the potential of someone like Curtis Jones, right? Because Curtis Jones the freedom to just do what he wants, right? Because Sabozlo is always there. He's always going to back it up. If Sabozlo makes a mistake, he's the first one to fight back and, and win the ball back, right? And I think absolutely class. And I think that if we can get Thiago fit, having a midfield of Alexis McAllister, Thiago and Sabozlo is disgusting. Yeah. The technical ability in that midfield is rude. But whether or not Thiago can get fit for this season, who knows, mm. right? He always plays about 30 games, doesn't he, a season? So hopefully he can have a little run at some point. Um, that is a that is a mouthful in combination. To be fair, 
I'm worried if it's too technical, not enough physicality. But actually, they're all. I mean, Thiago bloody loves a slide tackle. Like he, he does. He he joined the Prem just so he could just two foot people. So yeah. I'm not too worried about the physicality. Thinking out loud. Um, yeah, and I think if we've got Canate and Van Dijk, you know, both fit and playing, I mean, it's a big ask having Canate and Thiago fit at the same time. But if we can, I mean, that that lack of a number six, I don't think comes as apparent because Canate is an animal. Right. He is. And he he's one of those. But you know, like like some players seem to just play as sort of two players, and he very much plays as centre back and right right back slash right centre back all at once. You know, he basically allows Trent yeah. to do what Trent does, um, and mops up that sort of defensive right hand side as well. He is an animal. Yeah, big fan. Yeah, he is. Um, another animal though. I think we need to give some flowers to uh, Mo Salah, creative force, absolutely Not selfish. It turns out two assists. And a half right. assist, which statistically won't count, but definitely played a big part in the third goal. 200 goal contributions yeah. for Liverpool. He doesn't get enough it's attention, mental, does he? No. No. I mean, the guy's phenomenal. The fact that some of the fans were, were saying that we should be getting, you know, when the Saudi money came up and, uh, you know, 150 million for 31-year-old. Fine. In usual circumstances, but... You know, look at Cristiano Ronaldo. He was playing to what thirty six at an elite level. Mm-hmm. Most Salah's the exact same. You know, there's probably not many players fitter than him on the planet. And Fact. he's showing this year that you know he doesn't need to score a goal to win us a game. Right, yeah. as simple as that. And I mean, but if we do need him to score a goal, he will. And that's the thing. That's the great <laughs> thing about Mo. Right, he's just what a player. You know, like, yeah. even the simple things like that pass to Robertson was perfect. Yeah. You know, and, Robertson sl- slotted it in like he was a prime Robbie Fowler. Do you know what I mean? Like, Honestly, it was just... I, I couldn't believe my eyes watching that. I was like, that is... <laughs> I don't know what Robertson's doing there, doing a give and go in that number eight role, but I'm here for it. Long may it continue. He's, he not just definitely... in, he's not just inverted as a fullback. He's inverted to the other side of the pitch. So he's an inverted, <laughs> inverted fullback. There's levels, mate. There's levels just, to this pet. He just you know? took... He took inspiration from Joel Matip. Yeah. He wanted to go on a trip like Big Joel used to. I had the same thought. There's a, there's that goal. That give and go yeah. goal, Joel Matip, and it's unreal. And you're like, he's got no right yeah. to do that. He had no right, but you all knew it was coming, <laughs> right? But yeah. I think that Robbo's faced a lot of criticism. I think that there is an argument that he's maybe not the player he was a couple of years ago, but I mean, you mm-hmm. look at the intensity of everything he does. You know, I, I, he's, he's not going to be as athletic as he was two years ago, but actually... You know, when he needs to be, he's always reliable. He's always there and yeah. pops up with a crucial goal, wins us the game, right? Simple as that. He's far from far from the weak point. And when I look at, you know, left backs or left wing backs in world football, there's not too many that I'd pick above him still. So he's not the problem. There's other problems that need to be solved before that, I'd say. Uh, but as much as I'd love to continue, we have to wrap this up. So do you want to say any final words on uh, anyone specific? Maybe certain Darwin Nunes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was gonna say, I mean, he's just an animal, isn't he? I'm telling you, yeah. he's bagging twenty goals this season. Mark my words, he wasn't words, far away last season. Goals. So yeah, he wasn't. I think that this is going to be. You know, you can see the English has come along as well. Mm-hmm. Darwin Nunes, he's the greatest footballer in the world. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. I don't disagree. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> uh, honestly, neither have I, and I love it. I'm here for it. Yeah, it's so good. I think if you have a spectrum of like players that excite you versus annoy you, you've got Mason Mount at one end, who's good, but everyone hates him. He's so boring and so plain. And you've got Tom Nunes, 
He's probably a worse footballer. Everyone fucking loves it. He just has that. He's, I don't know what it is, but he's got it. Whatever it is, he's got yeah. it. He's got that Zlatan Ibrahimovic thing about him where he's going to go exactly to that. Hollywood. Yeah. And he's going to be on his he and he's going he's gonna to punch someone in the face at some point. He's going to scandalous stuff. But we love it. We and just you love, love it for some reason. And you absolutely <laughs> love it. I'm so glad he's here. <laughs> Me too. I just hope Me he starts too. some games, mate. Yeah, I think he will. I think he will. Yeah. Anyway, what's the next game? West Ham won, Man City 3. I really thought this was going to go a different way, to be honest. It was looking good at one point. Like James Ward Prowls put them 1 0 up, and I was like, here comes the Boise Masterclass. We're going to sit back, we're going to soak yeah. up the pressure, and then we're going to score a second goal through Jared Bowen, and we're going to finish this. And oh, what could have been, eh? West Ham coming to it in good form. City played this like basically with four. Four forwards basically, and then just yep. just Rodri holding it down. It was ballsy. It just it was. What? It was just a weird game. I thought, it, mm. yeah, it did. It was just a weird game from City. Like it was really wasteful, which is something that you'd never class City as. But I it mean, was. what West Ham? I mean, James Ward Prowse looks like he's going to be signing of the season for me. Actually, he looks class in 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 that team, and I think that. You know, I've got a little soft spot for West Ham. Um, I think they're a proper football team. It's like what we're saying with with Brighton. I think that, you know, they're not going to win every game, but Mm -hmm. they're always going to impress you whenever they play. And I think that it's unlucky in the end. You know, I think that City were just the better team. Like you said, they could afford to play four forwards because they've got Rodri sitting there as the best central defensive midfielder in the world holding it down, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But look, I thought that, there was one one bit where um, Ariola like hit like a triple save, and I was like, "Okay, this is it. This is going to be yeah. Yeah, West yeah, yeah. Ham's day." That's what I was thinking. I was but watching then, it, and Jer- I was like, "This is special." Like these <laughs> these like goal line blocks from West Ham, putting bodies on the line. Ariola's on fire. Like Haaland's missing, and I'm like, yep. "It's happening. It's happening." Yeah. But then Jeremy Doku happened, and I think that you know, I mean, we were linked <laughs> to him a couple of seasons ago, and he mm. looked class all day. He looked. He reminded me of a young Raheem Sterling, which no one knew what to do with him. He was just, he was there. He was in and around. He was nippy. He could cut in and out of players, surrounded by all these class players. So no one focused on him. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden, a moment of magic and City are back in the game. He scores his goal, you know, and gives them the confidence to go forward. And I think that, I mean, City are City, right? They're they're turning the league into the Bundesliga, right? (laughs) Even yeah. if they were three 0 down, you'd still back them to score four goals and win a game, right? It's one of those ones. Hundred percent. I'll always be scarred by that last game of the season two years ago against Villa, where they're two 0 down, sixty five minutes, and I was like, "We're going to win the league. We're actually going to win the league." And ever since that comeback, I'm like, I think that crushed my sort of my hope for City. Unless it's yeah. four, yeah. they're not dead. They're never dead. No. No, that's the thing, isn't it? That is the thing with them. And I think that, you know, when you've got the likes of Haaland, Bernardo Silva, as much as I don't like him, they're he's always so going to find though. a way, right? And yeah, he's quality. I hate him. He's quality, right? <laughs> you know? I, I don't know why you hate him as well. Like, there are, there are things he yeah, does that probably. you don't see other players do, to be fair. There's something very special about him. Yeah. It's even like the finish yesterday was just, it was just rude for no reason. Yeah. He didn't need to do that. It was just rude. 
you yeah, know, and he is what rude. I loved, I loved seeing Haaland thinking about taking the goal and then didn't. <laughs> and then I thought back to if that was Harry Kane, he's one million percent taking that and doesn't give a shit. So you know, fair oh, play. 100%. I think they've got a squad, right? They've they've got a squad full of winners, and it's going to take a you know a monumental effort from Liverpool, Arsenal. I think we're the only two, they're the only two teams that can push them. But we've been here before, you know. I said to Arsenal fans last year, it don't matter that you're at the top of the table, City will go on a 20, 20 game unbeaten winning streak. Lo yeah. and behold, it's what they do, right? Yeah, I guess the annoying thing here is that Man City haven't given us a head start like they do usually in seasons, that they haven't had that ropey start that you know gives everyone a bit of hope. They've just been crushingly good, five wins yeah. out of five, and it just doesn't bode well for the competitors competitiveness of the league it really. doesn't. I just think they don't even have KDB uh, uh, you know what I mean like they got no. rid of Gundogan KDB's injured and they're just they're just better than ever bossing games still yeah yeah. I think that they now that they've got the monkey off their back right they've won the Champions League I think that usually that slow start is because they wanted to put all their eggs in the European basket right mm-hmm. so they're figuring things out at the start of the season now they've won it I mean who's stopping there's no one stopping them in my opinion no one's stopping them it's done. Wear off it this year. He's actually won. done. No, yeah. Arsenal looks slightly worse. Liverpool look better, but very suspect defensively. And everyone else is just just doesn't have it. Like Man United don't have it. Chelsea don't have yeah. it. Tottenham, Tottenham might have it, but let's be real. This is you know this is like a good vibes kind yeah. of spell at the yeah, moment. We'll get we'll get the bottle we'll get the bottles out for Tottenham soon. Don't yeah, worry. exactly. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. <laughs> and <laughs> we'll yeah. see. Um, Last question I want to ask you, actually. Cole Palmer, um, mm-hmm. he got sold for £45 million to Chelsea and I'm still trying to come to terms with what happened there because to me, he seemed like he was going to be moulded as the next Phil Foden. Similar kind of player, next mm-hmm. after production line, drip-fed minutes slowly but consistently and then just out of nowhere, he's just sold for a good price, to be honest, but... I just can't gauge what 45 mil yep. is anymore. Isn't 45 mil like 25 mil like a couple of years ago? Just seems like a weird one to me. Now. Yeah, I think... mm. yeah, I mean, I think we don't know what went on behind the scenes, but you know what Pep's like. If you've got attitude, you're out the door. Right? You Look at the whole Jal Cancelo thing at one point. Be... I think so, yeah. I think that it was probably a case of he wanted more minutes. Guardiola said no. He kicked up a, st- a stink. He said, see you later, you know. Phil Foden's class, but he doesn't start every game. You know, in fact, Facts. he hardly starts at all. But he sits there, he'll take it because he knows once KDB leaves, he's the one that's going to take the reins, right? Simple yeah. as that. I don't think Cole Palmer wanted to wait for that. That's fair. That's. I wasn't thinking about that. I just assumed he just he just got offered a lot of money at Chelsea and just decided to take it. But yeah, he might I mean, have fallen that's, out of That's pet. probably also likely too. <laughs> it's probably a combo, isn't eight, it? It's eight like... years on four billion, four billion yeah. quid a week. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those. Yeah, I just found it really surprising. And there is a broad trend now of City just selling off all their best young players. Um, I did, I did read somewhere that it's all just a big FFP, uh, FFP thing because these players cost you nothing. Of course, you sell them for money, so then that is pure profit that you it's can pure put profit. into uh, mm-hmm. actual signings you want. And so they're just looking at the academy as a pure um, factory for profit now. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we've done it. 
right? We did it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not that Dominic Solanke came through the academy as such, but, you know, Rian Brewster, those types of players, we sold them for stupid money. They weren't worth it, but it's one of those. I think teams have always done it. I think City just, with the 115 breaches thing, there's more eyes on them. They've got to be smart and they'll start sending off people, right? Yeah, 100%. It's just, I don't know, it's a weird one. It just feels a bit jarring with me. You're always taught to keep your best young players, you know, in your homegrown prospects. And it's just not the way things are done. But maybe they're just thinking ahead as they always are, you know, ahead of the curve, setting yeah. the trend. Um, but also, I think that Pep's just got ridiculously high standards. I mean, you know, mm. he brought through Lionel Messi, right? No young ever going to be Lionel Messi in his eyes, right? But look at the types of players that he got rid of, the types of players like Bojan, for example, who were touted to be the next Kaka out the door when he was at Barcelona. He doesn't care. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So That ruthlessness really does keep him on top. I think, yeah, a lot of managers are a bit too loyal to their players or, you know, like yep. Klopp definitely is. He keeps people around too long. Pep is the mm-hmm. most ruthless guy I've ever seen in football. Like as soon as yep. as soon as there's even a hint that you're not 100%, you're gone immediately. Get no out. Mercy. Yep. Leave. It's mad. It's so mad. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Um, right, okay. That's why winners stay winning, right? Hundred percent. And speaking of staying winning, Tottenham still winning. Tottenham two, Sheffield United one. Um, wasn't looking good. I'm not going to lie. Wasn't looking good for ninety seven minutes. Um, and I think no. Sheffield United can feel very hard done by in this game because a draw would have been fair. It looks good value for nicking it, but this is the post post factor, mate. This is a new Spurs. Instead of Spurs and it up, they came back from the dead and won the game. And it just shows if you have a manager who actually wants to be there instead of just is paid a lot of money and hates it, but absolutely detests being Mm -hmm. there, it does make a big difference. It does filter down to the players. Um, So, yeah, good vibes at Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, I mean, they just shit-house themselves to a win, which is something you never see Tottenham do, right? And I think Mm. it's a really, really defining moment Tottenham. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Tottenham. Growing up in North London, being a Liverpool fan, and everyone was a was a um, Tottenham fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, players like Richarlison getting a goal, you, you hate to see it, but I mean, fair play to him, right? He's needed that, and he went and got it. And I think that, like you said, just that that passion from Ange. Not that he's, he's quite cool and collected on the on the touchline, but you can you can sense that he wants mm-hmm. to build something. You know, and um, fair play to Tottenham. Although, should it gone to you know plus twelve minutes or whatever it was? You know, we're in this era now where games don't finish mm. on ninety minutes; they finish on a hundred, right? And Sheffield United could feel hard done by that, right? You know, they'd seen the game off in normal circumstances, but with these new rules, yeah, agreed. Of course, happens. There's, there's definitely an argument to say that the extra extra time that teams are getting does favour the bigger teams because the players in the bigger teams have actually experienced it in international tournaments. Like Sheffield United, mm-hmm. maybe one of their players has actually played that that long, ever, you yeah. know, professionally. And so to concede on the 98th and the, the 100th minute does show a lot about, like, I guess, yeah. fitness levels drop off after a certain point. I, I, I think it's, it's unfair on the smaller teams as well. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, I, I get that it's being done in the name of fairness. You know, teams can't time waste. They can't, you know, they can't take the piss with it. But at the same time, like a team like Sheffield United, 
being up in the ninety what ninety eighth minute of the game, literally, you know, that's a that's a that's a huge result for them if they can see it through. But as you said with the new rulings, it just doesn't happen, and that's where, like you said, that you know people who play in the international stage in Europe, they've you know been there, done it. But someone like you know the players at Sheffield United doesn't happen and then you know you saw heads turning with the McBurney red card that I thought was absolutely ridiculous you know yeah. it wasn't so much the action it was him him getting pissed off basically that's why he got the red card right and it's frustrating justified to show yeah. it's it's a weird one isn't it because yeah the McBurney red card was weird there have been weird decisions again this season with referees and yeah manager of Sheffield United Heckingbottom he he went he went off piste he went off script in the post match he went mm-hmm. quite rogue and he's definitely going to get told off because he was really attacking the referees oh, yeah. and the sort of micromanagement of games and the way that they're overcomplicating things. There's no consistency. Mm-hmm. He basically just he summed it up really well. To be fair, I thought it was a very measured rant. But I agree. Anyone who goes on a rant like that has got the signs of someone who might be in the final throes of their management um, career mm-hmm. at Sheffield United because like. You just can't be doing that. You need to maintain a certain level of composure. And when your head's gone and your players' heads are gone, like someone needs to keep a cool head. So I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if someone comes and replaces him soon. And I've read some rumours that Chris Wilder could be back for a uh, sort mm. of farewell tribute act of himself, which will be interesting. So, yeah, yeah you heard it here first. <laughs> there we go, the exclusive. exclusive. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think, I think that that's the point, though. I think that whenever a manager loses their head, it's never a good reflection of the state of the team. Mm-mm. You know, we've seen even at the top level, you know, we've seen Klopp lose his head. When have we seen him lose his head? It's, you know, last season, season four, when we weren't playing well. Yeah. You know, it, it, other teams as well. I mean, Ten Hag seems to never lose his head because he's always blaming someone other than himself, right? But <laughs> I think that that internalisation, it, it's the same thing, right? It's And that's why there's this disgruntledness and... Man United can afford to be disgruntled, but Sheffield United, as soon as they're disgruntled, you go down. Yeah, Simple literally. as that, right? Yeah, this is a real tough one to swallow. I feel like if they'd have hung on and won 1-0, this would have really kick-started and made their season. But now I think it's going to be it's going to be yeah. really hard to pick yourself up after this one, I think. Um, I do think some sort of change yeah. might be needed soon to inject some momentum. Um, you touched on Richarlison. I just want to say, I don't like Richardson either, but anyone who is having such a bad time as him, I do feel kind of happy for. Like, he missed mm-hmm. a sitter for Brazil midweek and got, you know, got upset and had a little cry on the bench when he got substituted. Spoke about getting therapy, mental health concerns. Possibly probably referenced it in his pre-game. And yeah, came off the bench, got a goal, got an assist, got paraded by Son. Son was giving it like the, this is the guy, this is the main man. To the Spurs fans, and I was like, I kind of love that to be honest. Mostly, I love yeah. Son because Son's Asian, I'm half Asian, so I just fucking love anything Son does. But I was happy for Charleston, I can't lie. Yeah, and, and same here, even though you know he's got a face that a mother wouldn't even love, right? But <laughs> it's one of those where fair play to him, you know, with all the yeah. stuff that's going on, it, take, it takes a strong person to come back and put on a match winning performance, which is what he did, he won them the game. Scored yep. the goal, got the assist. Simple as. So, right, last mm-hmm. word before the break. Tottenham, top four, yes or no? What do you reckon? 
nah, nah, we'll get the bottles out in about three weeks' time. And, <laughs> you know, nah, yeah. I, jokes aside, I, I, I think that, yes, I think it will be Tottenham will be in the top four. They'll take that fourth spot. You reckon? Okay. Good <laughs> yeah, vibes yeah. to continue re- then. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I think that they'll have a bit of a blip, but they'll, they'll come back. I think that, that they're, if you look at all the other teams around, I think that they're, they're probably going to be the ones that take that last spot. And who's losing out there? Newcastle in your in your yeah. Forecast. I think New, Newcastle. I mean, you've seen the start of the season they've had. They've not even started playing in Europe yet. Mm. Do they focus on Europe? Do they focus on the league? Who knows? But I, I think that Newcastle had a great season last year. I don't think they replicated this year. I think that Eddie Howe has done all that he can. Teams will fit, teams are starting to figure them out now. That there needs to be a change there, or they're going to be in a, sort of that obscurity. I like that. Let's clip that up. Come back to that later on in the season when Ash looks a right mug and Tottenham are 17th. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and do the rest of the games. And we are back. Um, Got some more games, actually some pretty interesting ones as well, which is nice, because sometimes the second half can feel a bit like a slog. And anyone who listens all the way through, you're the real MVP. But not this time, this is actually going to be really good. And I'm definitely not just saying that like I do every time. Um, Aston Villa 3, <laughs> Crystal Palace 1. Um, another game where, arguably, the the sort of, the away team should have won, and some mm-hmm. dirty, dirty extra time comeback from the home team. Uh, made it look much more comfortable than it was. It is interesting how often that's yep. happened um, this weekend in terms of the fixtures. I've got sort of three of these down um, out of the nine, which is quite mad. And it does seem to be a trend that certain teams go right to the death and some just start to really run out of momentum around the sort of 90th minute, which is normal. That's what mm-hmm. is ingrained in everyone in terms of football. But yeah, in terms of the stats, Villa came into this having won their last eight home games palace have won here three times in the last 21 vi- uh, visits so it looked like it was gonna be very comfy but it it actually wasn't um palace took the lead through a mistake from martinez i think i think i mean martinez slipped yeah. and edward scores i think edward's rubbish at football so it always jars me when he scores because and i hate this so this is a reference point but two years ago was the last time i did fpl and I had Edward the entire season as my backup striker, and he got fucking <laughs> nothing. And so I just, I just don't like him yeah. now for that. And so now, of course, he's scoring a few goals, looking quite good. Just like insult to injury, really. But yeah, yeah. they were, they were looking I mean, good. Palace don't like Palace don't like strikers who can score goals. No, they don't. That's that's it. So that's your own fault for putting a Palace striker into. I your got caught team. up by the fact that he scored a lot of goals and he was cheap. But it turns out goals in Scotland mean absolutely nothing in England. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Anyone yeah. with any ex-Celtic players, get them out. Just get them out of the FPL now because they are going to be garbage. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I think that, you know, back to the game, I think that is another case of, I mean, Villa look a solid, solid outfit and not just at a Premier League level. I think that they, you know, as a Europa League team, I think mm-hmm. they'd be a solid team. And I think the quality just showed. I mean, they got a fortunate penalty. I don't think it's a penalty, to be honest. But, you know, VAR says otherwise. But um, 
I mean, the, the finish from Duran, you know, was just disgusting. And it that, was outrageous. I think that the turning point of the game for me was the fact that, you know, they already had DRB, you know, Zanola on the pitch. And then they brought on someone like Leon Bailey, more pace, more flair. Just in the end, it just proved too much for Crystal Palace. And I think you could see it coming. Palace could, you know, were trying to hold out for that draw, really, or the win until the 87th mm -hmm. minute. But I think Villa's quality just showed in the end. And I think that it was, a, even though it came late, it was a fair result to Villa. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? Because you had all these new signings starting. The RB definitely looks like... A bit of a coup for Villa, he class. He's been linked, yeah, he's been yeah. linked with loads of people, and yet there was a real lack of interest in him this summer for what was quite a reasonable price. And Zaniola's a weird one because I thought he was going to be like one of the best prospects out of Italy, and then he went to Turkey for a bit, and it just sort of confused my mind a bit. A bit like Anthony Fassi mm -hmm. going to Brighton, you're just like, my perception of this player and what's just happened is confusing me a lot. But yeah, if they yeah. can unlock him, then suddenly they've got all these Champions League players in this big squad under a great manager. And you're like, fuck me. Like, Villa are a serious team. Like, they're a serious European team yeah. now. Going yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's anyone's going to look forward to going to Villa Park in particular. You no, know, it's already... Just... It's a great club. Big yes. club, a lot of history. And Definitely. now the good times seem to be coming back for them. And, you know, it's not a nice place yeah. to go. I don't remember Villa being this good since like Martin O'Neill times, arguably, mm -hmm. with like Stylian mm -hmm. Petrov and people like that. But even then, I don't remember them being as exciting as this. That was a lot more like British players, you know, like a British core and a yeah. couple of Europeans. This is like proper Europa League, Champions League, like exciting squad, mm -hmm. nice blend, deep squad. This John Durand guy, never heard of him before. Literally no idea who he is. Scores a rocket. Scores an I guess he's going to be. Yeah. I guess he's going to be good. Like, who fucking knows? They're just doing it all yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, but even the you know, the, the players that have, you know, were there under Gerard, right, when they were absolute mm -hmm. shit a couple of years ago, you know, Digne, Ollie Watkins, they look fucking class. Like, they genuinely yeah. just look great. Like, Watkins is an absolute handful. You know, he just, he runs teams ragged. And having that, you know, that flair that they've got on the wings now in Diaby and, and uh, you know, with, with Bailey and Zaniola and all these technical players, I think that it's a staring scary outfit. I'm not looking forward to us playing them. No, well, I'm glad that we managed to beat them last game because I wasn't feeling good about that. Yes. Um, I will say, full transparency, I think Ollie Watkins is very average at football. Um, a lot of people disagree with me, but... I just don't get it. I just don't see it. I just think he just scores his streaks he's and then he's just rubbish. I just think he's average. There's just average strikers. The Joe is, it's just, he's just, he's a handful. He's a handful. Mm. You don't know what to, because he's not big like he's a, you know, Emil Heskey or Lukaku type build. Or, you know, he's also not like, he's not nippy. He's just, he's just a pain in the ass. I can imagine him being really annoying to defend against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for Villa's level, he's definitely one of the better strikers, and there are dearth of strikers. Just people get a bit carried away, mm -hmm. don't they? They're like Ollie Watkins, Chelsea, Ollie Watkins, mate, Real Madrid. Don't like that. Hot hot take for you. Mm. They're going to go after Ivan Tony in January Ooh. once his suspension's done, and that for them Ooh. will be the difference between them getting Europe and them not. I like that. I can see that. Mm hmm. 
If I had to pick somewhere for him, though, it would be Man United or Chelsea. Probably Chelsea. They just need a striker. Are they going to they would never the buy him. Are they going to take the no. risk? Yeah. They would never buy him. He's over 23. He's good at football. It's just not their profile. Yeah. Singers. <laughs> well, we'll um, see. We'll see. You can hold me We will it. see. Yeah, we'll see. I like that, though. I like that a lot. Because you almost forget about him, that Brentford have still got that to come. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway... On to probably the most disappointing game of the weekend. Everton nil, Arsenal won. Oh, I really thought Sean Dyche was going to do it here. I really thought he was going to make you look like a right mug. For all those pods where he started <laughs> Sean Dyche. And I said Sean Dyche is the GOAT. He's the Giacomo Don. He's the 4-4-2 GOAT. And he's not. He's actually not doing a very good job. And that makes me really sad. Because I really like having yeah. him around in the Premier League. I think that the league has just evolved past what Sean Dyche was the last of a, you know, a, that, that typical hard-nosed British managers. And mm. I think the league's just evolved past it now. You know, you look at teams like Forest, for example, you know, they're not a great team, but they've got, you know, they've got technical prowess. They've got players mm-hmm. who can get it done. Sean Dyche doesn't have a Scooby-Doo. If someone does a kick up, he's going to, you know, he's going to drop kick <laughs> them off the pitch, right? But I think he is a good manager. I just think that the, the league's gone clear of him. And, you know, hopefully he can get Everton relegated. That'd be great. I always had to see them go. To be honest with you, I like having Everton. It's a fun rivalry. I enjoyed the Merseyside derby. Some iconic goals. Divock Origi's 94th minute winner. I'll miss Jordan Pickford as well if they go down. Like, I think he's a really bad goalie. And I like having him in an Everton shirt. So it's a shame. But... Yeah, as much as I love Sean Dyche, it's just not looking good. And the fact that they're so no. bad attacking, despite the fact they had Beto, their new signing, and DCL on the pitch, doesn't make me feel very good. Like, they just have no threat. Yeah. Like, their best chance no. in this game was like like a fucking half shot that went over the bar. And that was literally it. Like, and, that's, and that's it. Every game for them. It's the same yeah. every game. You know, it's bad. It is. It's awful to watch. And I think that the fact that, you know, it took Arsenal until, again, extra time, although this time, you know, only one minute into extra time to win the game, it wasn't a good showing from Arsenal. I think that actually Everton did all right. They were quite resolute. Um, Mm -hmm. But look, I think that their time's up. And it's as simple as that, you know, and, and with this whole takeover business, will it, won't it happen? It's another distraction from the reality of it all. You know, they're just a crap team. Oh, wow. They are a crap team. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was on that acquisition, to be fair, because 777 Partners, listener, if you don't know anything about them, apparently the new takeover bid from them is at risk because the owners and the individuals who actually own this company have got quite a long list of criminal allegations and offences against them. now. I don't know how legality works in terms of pods that people don't really listen to yet. But not saying these are real, just saying these are accusations. But they have been accused of fraud, kidnapping, extortion, predatory lending, racketeering and drug trafficking, which is quite a long list of bad things you don't really want. So I I assume the Premier League will approve this immediately because fit and proper, that sounds pretty proper. By those tests, yeah. Yeah. They're like, come on in, boys, come (laughs) on in. You'll You'll get on great with the rest of the boys. Um, so, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it just kind of adds to the 
the fact that even though they're in such a state, the potential savior is not very good. It's very much frying pan, fire mm-hmm. kind of scenario. Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned fraud there. Goes hand in hand with Everton, right? They're, they're a fraudulent Premier League team. They're not a Premier <laughs> League team. They're, harsh, harsh you know, they've got maybe They've maybe got two Premier League standard players and that's it. Mm, that's very harsh. Um, but I don't disagree. <laughs> I said no bias, right? No, 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 it's true. I mean, it feels like you're... <laughs> I feel that Liverpool bias coming through right now. Send them down. Two yeah. Premier League players, send them down. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, look, I think that Arsenal won the game like they should have. And that's all there is to say about it. Arsenal about. should have won the game. They did win it. And you know yeah. what? Sometimes it's those, those scruffy 1-0 wins in the last minute that determine whether or not you're going to win a trophy or not, right? You know, we Definitely. had a few years back when we um, when Mane scored against Villa in the last minute, right? I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that. Uh, I that do. Was what the little backwards head held our season on. Yep. That propelled our season on. And I think that for this Arsenal team, they've shown that they can, you know, win when they take control of a game. It's another mm-hmm. thing not being able to break down a team all game, but still getting the win. And they did that. Definitely. And yeah, I think we saw what they've been working on all week in terms of set mm-hmm. pieces, um, because the goal yep. came from a quarter routine. It was really nice. A lot of like one touch given goes around the box. Um, and then a really great finish from Trossard, who I feel like every week Arsenal fans realise what a bullet they dodged getting Trossard as a backup option to Mudrick because he's contributed mm-hmm. a lot since he's been there and he seems like a, just a great all-round top-club squad player. Like He can play across the yep. front three. He doesn't complain. He gets really good numbers. Um, and yeah, like you said, seasons are defined by just grinding out and finding ways to win when it's not looking good. Yep, absolutely. I think he's, um, uh, you know, Shakiri Sh- was the same thing. Yeah, Shakiri yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Gives you a goal when you need him to. Exactly that. Now there were there, there was one more talking point before the game. There was a couple of big calls that Arteta made. Havertz mm-hmm. dropped for Fabio Vieira. Obvious. Everyone agrees. I, th- I think on that. Arsenal but were playing with eleven dropped. men today. Yeah, for the first time this season, <laughs> they're playing with eleven men, and it did not show at all. <laughs> 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 and then Ramsdale got dropped as well for uh, David Raya, and I thought they were both pretty good on their debut, the clean sheet, mm-hmm. um, not a three out of ten performance from Vieira. So, I wonder what it all means. You know, is this the new look yeah. Arsenal, or is this just a little kick up the, the bum? The Raya starting was an interesting one because again, mm. there's the whole argument. You know, why why did they buy him when Ramsdale was being cast? Mm-hmm. But I think that Raya had his moments where he showed that. The difference in distribution, you know, just the pace of the game that he was able to help dictate, you know, especially when Arsenal were needing to break down a resolute team. You know, um, that's why they bought him. That's why he was there. And that's what he did. You know, I think he had a good performance, like you said. And it'll be interesting to see now, does he start again next week or does Ramsdale come back in? Definitely. There's definitely one to watch because I always think you can't actually have goalies that compete for a place. Like people have tried it, it doesn't work. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see if this is one of those really unpopular decisions that works out in the end. But you know, like Brighton of Chris Hewton, where they got rid of him because that was a better option. Could be just one yep. of them where everyone likes Ramsdale, but he does make quite a lot of mistakes sometimes. And no amount of passion 
makes up for just being a better technical goalkeeper. Absolutely. Yeah. Right, on to Fulham. Fulham one, Leeson Town nil. Little disclaimer. Battle of the Titans. RIP Mohamed Al Fayed. There's a nice like thing for him at the start and He's mm-hmm. just a cool owner. I'm not going to lie. Like he was actually a cool owner of football clubs. I feel like he was one one of the rare ones that everyone actually liked. You know, as someone who came over to the UK as an immigrant, created a whole business, owned Harrods, owned Fulham, and I remember seeing a video clip of him on the Ali G show where he was like freestyling, and you could tell he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to do it, and Ali G was just like forcing but him down still this game. Like, yeah, down this awkward path, and he was like, you know what, I'm going to fucking go for it. And I was like, I really rate that. Like most people would just try and try and work around it, but he just went for it. So, yeah, a shame. Yeah, a shame for Fulham fans. Absolutely, and I think that these are always you know big moments where it, it, it brings it brings you know football together. You know, you never mm-hmm. like to see this type of stuff happen, and, and you know, especially with such an influential figure for the club. I think that you know Fulham are they're a class outfit. They always have been and always will be. And I think that, you know, it's a, it's a big miss. Definitely. Definitely. Um, but they did him proud. They got three points in this game um, from, I'd say, quite an unlikely source in Carlos Vinicius. I've written, I've, do, I've done some reading into him and I'm just going to be honest. He's rubbish. He's actually garbage at football. <laughs> and I don't know why they bought him. That's my analysis. Like, yeah. maybe you'll agree with me. Maybe the listeners will agree with me by the, by the end of this. But look, if you buy someone for seven mil at twenty eight, they're probably not very good. Now, if you add into that the fact that they got bought by Benfica from Napoli for seventeen mil, and then they loaned him out immediately once to Tottenham, and then once to PSV, and neither of those clubs wanted him back, and then they sold him for seven mil, and he's twenty eight. He's shit. Mm-hmm. He's actually rubbish. So <laughs> I just don't yeah. I don't think this is the answer, but it would be very Fulham to turn an absolute garbage player into a good one for a season or two. Look what they did with Mitrovic, right? Yeah. But but I mean I think very different I'm not very different breath. profiles. Yeah. yeah. I think that this was a this was it's not exactly Battle of the Titans, is it? You know, it's I mean Luton are I how they've made it to the Premier League. <laughs> Just say, no really Just say what you really think, Just say it. Just say what you really think. They are fucking shit. <laughs> right. I think that you know, fair fair play to them for for coming out week in, week out. But you know, like when you were younger and you'd play like a certain school that you always knew you were gonna bag like a hat trick against. Mm-hmm. I feel like Luton are that team for every other team in the league. Like even yeah. shit strikers are gonna be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna bag. Like Ed, Ed, Edward will score a hat trick against them. Yeah. Oh fuck me. I hope not. That really annoy me. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, they but do. I mean, they the, do look bad, don't they? They do look noticeably yeah. bad. Like the quality of football is just poor a lot of the time. Yeah. And I was expecting them to be like awkward sort of Brexit football, like just horrible to play against. <laughs> just just like big fuckers, just like clattering you around. But, yeah. They're not really that. They're just not very good. And I don't no. know how they've done it. I don't know how they've made it this far. I'm happy for them, but Absolutely. I, don't, I don't think there's a single player in that team that any other Premier League club would take right now. And that's not no. good. Maybe one will emerge, think, but there's not that team of Pookie yeah. at Norwich who bails you out when you play shit. There's no, they don't have that, I think that's that like, it. talisman, you know? There's nothing. And I don't think they can attract one either because 
it's Luton, right? Like, yeah, literally. You know, they're not, they don't have the pedigree, don't have the heritage, their stadiums in the middle of a fucking row of houses. Like, <laughs> it's just, no one wants what is to it? pay for Luton, yeah, right? What is it? So if, if they can, if they can somehow stay up, I genuinely think it's a Premier League miracle. And yeah. Like, I just, I don't see it happening. I mean, that's a fair play to them. You know, and these players, they're, they're living, they're living their dream, right? So you can't knock them for that. But I mean, yeah, shit. It's not looking that, good, Rev. Yeah. Not looking good. Yeah, it's not looking good, <laughs> Rev. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be one of those things where you dream and dream, like in non-league, that one day you could like play in the Prem, go to Anfield, go to like Old Trafford. And then when you get here, after about seven like absolute humpings in a row, you're like, this is fucking shit, you know. <laughs> I actually, I can't wait for this yeah. to be over. I, I miss the championship. <laughs> yeah, because it is horrible. Uh, I tell you what, they're going to get a result. They'll get a result and it will be a shock result. It will be like against City. Like They'll be the one team to beat City all season. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You can see yeah. it coming like, and that will give them that, that glimmer of hope, right? Um they'll still fall short I think you know I, 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 I don't even know if they'll make it to double digit points at this point like I, I really they do don't. look like a good contender don't they for the lowest points total but it is a ridiculously yeah. low points total like 11 points is actually embarrassing like how many how many points have they got right now zero okay not uh, ideal yeah. but <laughs> it's not ideal <laughs> <laughs> they only need one win to get 25% of the way there so yeah uh, but when they're and Everton, Everton are next. shit as well, yeah. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> Everton are also shit. So I guess we'll see. But I think that you know it's Fulham again. Like it's that that golfing class, right? Fulham aren't a great team, no. But they've got Premier League quality players, and they just ground out a result. You know, yeah, and it's exactly that. Luton don't have that. I, I just yeah. And no, more again. To say. Rob Edwards seems like he's always been a manager that people have talked about. Obviously done a really good job, but here's my hot take and my prediction. Nathan Jones to come back to Premier League with Luton. That's where he mm. made his name, everyone. That's where people were like, this Nathan Jones guy, he's all right. This is where he was burning table yeah. tennis tables in the middle of the training pitch and just acting like a like a <laughs> lunatic. So I'm predicting he comes back, Luton become even worse, and it's just a mess. But we'll see. Um, they, they need to if they need to somehow stay up this year, or they're never coming back to the Premier League. <laughs> but they live the dream, you know. Non-league Premier League is no joke. I rate that. They live exactly. the dream, and that's the main thing. They got their they got their money. Maybe they can move out or buy out those houses in the stadium and just actually build a proper stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Those parachute it. payments. Yeah, me too. It's character in it. It's history. Um, anyway, on to other character in history clubs. Newcastle won. Brentford, nil. This was really, really, mm-hmm. really, really boring. This is such a boring game. Uh, I can't stress how much Newcastle and Eddie Howe just needed to win after that really bad yep. start. I do think they've had a lot of maybe over-the-top pressure because they have played City, Villa, uh, Liverpool, and <laughs> I can't remember someone else. So like, and I can't remember who it was. But they're, they're, they're all hard games, objectively. It's just that they set the they bar are. too high last season. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you know, we said it at the start. I think that it's just too much now. I think Eddie Howe has done everything he can. 
But mm-hmm. hey, look, they got the result, and you know they've got a huge game, probably their biggest game in years, right? Coming up on Tuesday against Milan. Going into that on the back of a win, you know, Callum Wilson scoring mm-hmm. something that you know it's going to be big for them, and I think that you know Newcastle, although they've had a poor start to the season, again, enough one of those teams, no one wants to play them. They're horrible no. to play against. They're a good team. They've got quality. They work together. They work hard, and they showed it today. You know, it wasn't a it wasn't a, a ten out of ten game, but they worked hard to to win the game. I don't think both teams did, but I think that you know a game like today, this is where Brentford are very clearly missing one Ivan Tony, right? Someone who can just definitely get you a goal out of nothing. Yeah, obviously there's nothing yes. they can do about that, right? He's been suspended. It's one of those things, but um, oh yeah, yeah, I'd agree with I that, that because Wissa and Waymo had like a really, a really hot start to the season. I was like, oh shit, maybe they don't need Ivan Tony. Maybe they can just sell him. But yeah, they weren't great in this game, um, especially mm-hmm. uh, Wissa, who I thought missed a lot of chances. I think his hot streak yeah. might be coming to an end. But I feel like there's only one talking point. In this game, and that is the penalty, because mm-hmm. Thomas Frank was livid afterwards, um, and I always like seeing Thomas Frank annoyed because he just he's really intense, like when he's happy. So when he's annoyed, it's like it's creepy. It creeps me out, and I like it. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. the penalty itself was one of those things where if you're a manager, and if you're Brentford's manager, like they train all the details so well. Like set pieces, they're the best. Like routines, they're the best. The way they defend is mm-hmm. very organised. And then to watch this like clusterfuck of things happen that gives away the penalty must be so soul destroying as like the Brentford manager because it's what is yeah. it? It's one of the defenders fails to clear the ball. There's no danger. Just faffs around of it for a while. Fleck and the goalie just comes sliding out and then pulls out the challenge. But it doesn't matter if you're pulling out when you're sliding. Like you're still going to move. Then Anthony Gordon just goes and just gets in between them and just rolls over until he gets a pen. And it's just a yeah. mess. And it was so avoidable. I don't know what you think. I don't think it's it a penalty, was, personally, for me. I mean, every time Anthony Gordon goes down, I don't think it's a foul. I think it's deserved. But um, <laughs> Would you like to see more you know, of Anthony I, Gordon just getting clattered? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know what I'd like? Do you remember when uh, Daniel Agger and Jamie Carragher just bullied Torres that first game that he um, played for Chelsea against us? <laughs> Yeah. That's what I think people need to do to Anthony Gordon, just bully him. No, I'm joking. I think that, look, you, you said, you mentioned it, right? They're such a well-drilled team, Brentford, that all the data, the analytics that they have behind everything that they do, they know that Anthony Gordon's going to go down as soon as someone breathes near him yeah. for a keeper to slide, out, you know, to slide out on him like that. You know it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a call, right? Obviously, VAR... Yeah. Is a bit suspect, so you never know if it's going to be overturned or not. And and it was just a stupid decision. It was. I mean, do you think it was a penalty? No. No. Yeah, me neither. No. And it's doubly bad because literally the same challenge happened against Brentford a couple of games ago. It wasn't given as a penalty. So it's just like mm-hmm. a double injustice for them. And that is so rubbish. Yeah. I think there was two two challenges today, uh, two penalties that were given, the one in the Villa mm-hmm. game and, and and this, which I don't think were penalties. I think that, I mean, the, how the penalty in the Villa game was given, I have no idea. You clearly got the ball twice. Yeah. But in just, this instance... Just in case you, you missed know, it, let me get it again and then let me distribute it yeah. out like it was pretty clear. 
But I think in this instance, it's one of those, it's always 50-50. The attacker's got the benefit of the doubt and the yeah. rest just gone. It's not clearly a big enough, you know, mistake to say it's not a penalty. And he gave Newcastle the chance, they took it and they won the game. Yeah, and Callum Wilson is damn good at penalties. I think he's got like 96% conversion rate or something. He's solid. Um, But yeah, I suppose it's a sign that you're a big club, Newcastle, if you get dodgy penalty decisions that go your your way at home. So welcome back to the big leagues. It's nice to have you back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fergie's in the back, giving backhanders out to uh, to (laughs) Literally, Bobby Robson's taken over. (laughs) Anyway, last game. AFC Bournemouth, zero. Chelsea, also zero. 14th versus 15th, and it really felt like it. Yeah. It was just a really turgid affair overall. Yeah. Some would say this is one of those games where it's like, tactically, it looks bad, but it's actually really intriguing. I'd say it was just rubbish. Um, not a lot happened. And <laughs> maybe Chelsea should have won the game overall, but you just think like that's basically Chelsea at this point. They probably play a bit better, but they don't score any goals. So do they actually deserve anything? Probably not. I think it was just a proper bottom half of the table fixture, right? <laughs> just a and solid like mid table clash, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, and, and I just think that it, it's one of those where that's not me slandering Chelsea. That's just that's the reality for them at the moment. They are just a a mid table, mid to bottom of the table team, and no one really knows why. You know, you look at the talent that they've got. It shouldn't be happening, but you love to see it, right? It's just goes to show that being a good owner doesn't mean you go out and spend a load of money and that's it. There's, no. there's more to it. And it, it is a good case study for everyone else where they're getting frustrated with their owners not spending money. Like it could be worse. They could spend all the money and get worse. And that would be yeah. even more difficult to take. Yeah. Well you look at you look at United, right? They've still topped the spending charts of every team in world football, but their, their, their fans have always got the Norwich scarfs out trying to get rid of the ownership Yeah, because it's not, you know, it's not just the spending of money. It's the, it's the mismanagement, it's the mismanagement of the club, you know, and Chelsea just look a mess. Yeah, you know, it is a weird one because you look at their squad and I know they've got a lot of players out injured, but yeah, that bench yesterday, six of those players were under 21 and they had no Premier League mm-hmm. experience. Um, I know some of them are new signings or like teenage signings because they're buying all these Brazilian wonder kids, but like, bro, for a squad that's spent a billion, I'm expecting like a little more like firepower bang for my buck. Like, mm-hmm. this feels mm-hmm. really undercooked for how much money's been spent. I think the problem is that Chelsea are going to find as this continues on, players like Enzo, Thiago Silva, they're going to want to leave. Mm. You know, I mean, I guess the, the problem is who's going to be able to afford to buy them. Well, Enzo because he's got an eight-year contract on stupid money but they will just force their way out of the club and then it's Chelsea are then going to go through that rebuilding again and it's well the owner's going to be like well we spent all this money before it didn't work now we're not going to spend anything and it's this Chelsea are in this weird sort of bit of turmoil here it reminds me very much of you know how we were with Gillette and Hicks you know Mm. when we came off a good season you know and it's we got rid of Xabi Alonso and then there was not much investment and then Rafa left and it just, Chelsea seemed to have that, that discontent, that disgruntled feeling throughout the club. And, you know, yes, they've got a lot of injuries, but I mean, Nicholas Jackson looked 
crap today. Yeah, like, he's meant to be, the, and he's one of he's the meant better to be ones. The next Drogba. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? He is one of the better ones. Oh, I don't know. I just find it really confusing. I do feel like it's really easy to trick football fans into thinking someone's good if you just buy them. And it's that mm-hmm. simple. Because if they bought Conor Gallagher for like 70 mil, they probably think he was a lot better. But because he's a homegrown mm-hmm. prospect, they're like, oh, you know, get rid, sell him. And I think like all of the players they bought are just slightly worse than a lot of the players that they phased out over time. And also loads of the ones that were like 25 mil. Who's heard of some of them? Like at least four or five of these players I've literally never heard of. Which means they've never been rumoured to any big club, realistically. Because they've Mm -hmm. never hit the transfer Mm -hmm. gossip page and then boom, 35 mil. All of a sudden, yeah. And then, but even their big name, their big money signings, right? You look at Mudrich, Kaisaido seems to be going down the same route, which, you know, I'm happy to see. Love Um, to see it. Yeah. (laughs) But just, it's just... I don't get it. I honestly, what team I don't get can it. have two a hundred plus million pound midfielders, a seventy million pound winger, you know, Raheem Sterling, Thiago Silva, like these, yeah. and just be shit. Yeah, like just shit, just so average. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it either. Um, I'm going to try and be positive because we're also negative about Chelsea and. You know, certain people get upset about it. Certain other guests on the pod. Um, so, one player, one player, I thought was good. Malo Gusto. I didn't know a lot about him before he joined, as is you know every signing basically Chelsea have made. But he mm-hmm. seems really good. Good numbers going forward. Defensively, looks solid. He's got a great engine to just get up and down. Didn't realize he was only like twenty or twenty-one. I feel like maybe he could be on track to oust Reese James or be serious competition because Reese James has made a paper. And you know, yeah. wishes so there is a spot, there is an opportunity, and he does look good, in my opinion. I mean, I think the shift is that he goes to the fullback role, and Reese James, when he's fit, goes into into the role as a centre half. You're that way, he's going to be, yeah. Reese James is made out of paper, and as fantastic as he is going forward, as well as you know, defending, I think that you've got to cut one of them out, right? And I think you'd rather mm. have him there as a solid defender and play centre half, or you know try and play that Kanate type role that you mentioned earlier where you're covering you know right back and center back kind of what 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 Kyle Walker does for England right Kyle Walker is the center back and the right back in that yeah, yeah. in that center three um but yeah I think that you're probably you're probably right you know Reese James does not have a, a good track record at the moment, you know. Nah. And he's always so good. Like, when he plays, he's Chelsea's best attacker, only goal scorer, um, and also yeah. sort of best defender, and now the captain. And yet, he only plays about half the games a season, if that. So, yeah. and that's concerning for a bit. young... He's still young as well, so that's concerning. Yeah. It's uh, that Michael Owen fear, isn't it? That yeah. he, we've already seen the best of him. Yeah. But look what happened with Mika Richards, right? As he, as he often says, he burst onto the scene, and he did, but when you're playing from a young age and you're you know, <laughs> that intense all the time. I love that reference, the injuries... by the way. What does burst burst mean? What does burst actually mean? <laughs> it just burst onto the like, scene, right? just body someone. <laughs> game one. <laughs> but, you what know, I think mean? that... I love it. I think that Reese James is the same, though. And he's, you know, he's a strong, powerful player. He's and a those big muscle boy. injuries, they, they catch up to you really quick, you know, and you lose a bit of pace. You lose, you know, the confidence... Who knows? Yeah, I think he's just—he's too chunky for his joints. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
the yeah. bits that hold him together just can't support all of that, all of that mass. Yeah, he's he, a wham you. I'm not gonna lie. He is. He's thick. He's a thick boy. But okay, we, we talked about Chelsea enough. I think Bournemouth. What do you think about Bournemouth? I think what I'll say about Bournemouth is I feel like if you look at where they were at the start of last season, around this time of year. They just got banged 8-0 at Anfield. Scott Parker mm-hmm. basically said none of them were good enough going down. He got fired. Um, Gary Neal took over. You compare that to now, and you can see that like their first team's got a lot better since then. Yeah. Like they are on their way to being a consistent, solid Premier League team. In the sense Agreed. that they're bottom half, but they're not one of the favourites to go down every season. That sort of like Southampton Wolves kind of area. Where yeah, yeah, they're they're all right, and yeah, right. I think that's quite impressive considering they looked they were everyone's favourite to go down last season, and they yeah. just sort of surpassed it, and they've just bought well over time since since then. Yeah, and I think they took a gamble, right? They they got rid of Gary O'Neill mm-hmm. when actually I think he deserved to keep the role. I Definitely. think I thought you know, and but fair play to them, you know, uh, new managers come in and they've got an identity. You know, when they used to have Eddie Howe. Bournemouth had an identity, right? Mm-hmm. You, you knew what you were going to get from them. They were they, they were a, you know a good technical team, but they were tough. And again, it seems like like you said, they've just got a bit of identity to them now, where they can, you know, they're not just going to grind out results. They'll go to places and they'll get rightful results. Mm-hmm. You know, you put Definitely. them up against a an Everton or a, or a Luton. You would expect them to get the result, whereas last year you'd expect it to be a dogged, hard-fought, hard-fought battle. Yes, that's exactly it. Every point last season have felt like they had to be on their game, give a hundred percent, and hope they get a bit of luck. This season, you feel like they could get a couple of easy wins. You know, they're just yeah. a little bit better than some teams, which yeah, is pretty cool for them, man. Michael B. Jordan, his influence is unparalleled in that boardroom. <laughs> you know, all yeah, hits, yeah, no that. misses. It's that creed mentality, right? Yeah, literally, literally <laughs> off the canvas, back at it. There we go. Nice. Well, that's all the games, and it's been really nice to chat with you, Ash. I've enjoyed it. You um, too, man. A lot. You too. Thanks for stepping in. Thanks for stepping in um, to come you. Competition is hot, man. You know, Hugh's gonna have to come back. This is that. This is that Ramsdale, David Raya kind of thing going on right now. <laughs> there can be only one. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how I it am... plays out. I'm Allison, mate. I'm neither of those two bums. Oh, okay. Right. I'm, I'm top of the game. <laughs> but yeah, it's been good. And I, I think we'll probably get Ash back on again um, at some point soon, listener. Um, in terms of socials and wrap-ups, from the backseat, socials, email us from the backseat for podcast at gmail.com if you want to send some questions. And yeah, we'll try and get our fucking audio back together and just make it work. So hopefully this goes out. But yeah, thanks for listening. Absolutely. Thank you, Ash. Peace out.